0: Welcome back to another episode of the Full Circle Podcast, Season 4, where we continue our journey into the theme of discovery. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with Miriam Solis, a clinical sexologist, sex educator and a certified sex coach. Miriam was raised in a Spanish Catholic household and went to boarding school run by nuns. Growing up she was given zero sexual education and as a result she and her friends took many sexual risks that came from ignorance. So many of them were plagued with shame, repression, doubts and fear about sex and a lot of you may identify with some aspects of her story. She now helps individuals change their sexual environment and encourages them to speak up about what they want in a relationship and help make sex a little less meh. Whether your libido needs awakening, or you just want to confidently communicate your desires in a relationship, this episode is for you. I hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: Welcome, Miriam, to our conversation. How are you? Thank you, Julian. I'm very good. I'm very happy to be here sharing that space with you. It's yeah. really exciting. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome, and me too. So let's just kind of jump straight in, shall we? So tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and what kind
1: of led you into this career and to train as a sex coach. Well, my background actually is in tourism. When I was in Spain, I had a degree of bachelor in tourism. But uh, I moved to this country and I decided to, after motherhood, and come back to the workforce, I decided to look for something that actually I felt passionate about, and I knew it had to be involving working with women. Mm-hmm. And I tried a few things; didn't really show any kind of wow factor. So I remember I was talking to a group of friends, and um, we were talking we were talking about, oh, I would like to spice a little bit of things in marriage. And my friend was like, yeah, me too. And I had another friend, yeah, let's look around. And we look around and we didn't find much or anything, really, local or and even we couldn't find anything. So that definitely got me thinking and I thought, hmm, let's look, because clearly we are interested and it's nothing available. So I started looking around and I found sex coaching and I thought I started looking into it. And I really like what was what were the things that were required and mm-hmm. I, what they were offering as well. So I decided to do coaching first and see if I like coaching. Mm. And that is why I found Full Circle. Yeah. And it was a great experience. I trained for a year with you And it, that was I, I really love it. And that definitely said, yes, this is something that I feel passionate about it. And I like. So then I studied with Sex Coach University that is based in Los Angeles and for two years. And voila, I'm a certified Sex Coach. That's fantastic. I'm also a sex educator as well and a clinical sexologist. Yes. Amazing.
0: Great. So lots of different strings then now to your bow in terms of your coaching role, but also as well as providing education, as you've said. So tell me a little bit more then, I suppose, what was it like growing up for you? Because you said there your friends had had a conversation, like there wasn't much out there to give women support around maybe widening or maybe learning more around what they might need and want. So what was it like growing up for you and your
1: upbringing? Did that have an impact? Well, imagine, Gillian, I come from a Catholic background. So, (laughs) um, you know, permission to be sexual, denied. (laughs) It was definitely not there. (laughs) And as well, my perception at the time was, um, as a young adult, was that men wanted sex, but uh, women were allow sex. So we never, I never felt that the socialist script allowed us to feel sexual. And also there were so many feelings attached to that kind of script that were not positive, unfortunately. There were a lot of shame and guilt and fear as well because there was not sex education or all, all the opposite. So, And things like playing solo, you know, masturbation, that definitely was terribly, highly charged with uh, shame and with things like dirty and inappropriate. So imagine that. So
0: interesting that from being young, then, it was something that it was just a bit of a no-no. You didn't really talk about it. You didn't really discuss it in any kind of open environment. And so
1: did that impact your relationship with sex growing up? Yes, because I have friends that they just took it on board. For me, I felt really that was unfair. I felt that it was not it was something that, that was not right and it was not beneficialing woman particularly. And I I didn't like it and I always never complying exactly with the script and it was a bit of a rebel, I suppose, and I didn't follow what's supposed to happen. But that brought me shame and guilt in, in many different occasions and definitely fear.
0: And that, that shame and guilt, because I know that's um, used, you know, I think women in particular, I mean, it happens for men as well, but there's that real sense of heaviness that comes with that shame and guilt. And so how did that impact
1: you then as you were growing up? I think impact me by not being able to explore who I was exactly, because that shame always was kind of a barrier to, to go deeper and to feel comfortable. So I think I was adventurous more than probably my peers, but I was never comfortable, full comfortable to navigate in a more healthier way, I suppose. So I was, um, my relationships were, We're fine, but I never really opened the space to all the possibilities that they can be explored Mm. because I was not aware there were that many possibilities either. So, you know, you, you feel a bit limited in possibilities.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Obviously, now you're offering these services to clients and you're building your business up. What are the main things or the reasons or the biggest concern maybe why people come to you in the first instance? What I've been noticed
1: is tends to be the people, women, that I are probably avoiding sex or not interested in sex or not having time for sex. So they're wondering what's getting in the way mm-hmm. of enjoying sex, really. Yeah. and are people coming thinking that there's something kind of there's something
0: wrong with me because I don't enjoy it or I don't have any of it. You know,
1: is that what's kind of from a more psychological perspective? Yes. People tend to think I'm, I'm a normal because, yeah. yeah, what I'm experiencing is very different from where my friends experience or other people or what I see in the news or what I read. And what we have to understand is uh, our, you know, our sexuality is like a finger It's like a fingerprint. It's mm-hmm. unique to us. So we cannot learn Basically, match from others. We have to learn from ourselves because what works for me, it might not work for you, Julian. It might not yeah. work for another person. So, we have to discover, explore, and embrace who we are because it's just it's just me individually who is that way. And for that reason, sometimes we tend to compare ourselves with other people and think, well, why why that person has orgasms and I don't, because. I got the same kind of anatomy, so what's getting in the way mm-hmm. and is because we're different and we have to explore what works for us individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. we're all normal, but um, sometimes we don't know our erotic style. We don't understand ourselves and that's what's getting in the way.
0: But I suppose a lot of people don't really talk about what they like or even as you said, most probably don't even know what their erotic style is. And I think it's quite I think it's quite fascinating. And I love what you've just said there around our kind of sexuality is but it is very similar to fingerprint, it's unique to us. And I think that's really interesting because I would imagine that there is a lot of comparing and contrasting going on. Yes.
1: And and you think, oh, you know, because some people talk about sex, the majority Tend Not to, unfortunately, but when you talk or you, or you listen or even you look at films and you, you, you think, oh, that is what is normal. <laughs> you just assume what normal is. And if you are outside that very narrow box, you think that you, there's something wrong with you when yeah. the majority of the cases is nothing wrong with you. You're just different and mm. that differing is okay. And so suppose when a client is coming to you
0: then, you're not just coaching them, are you? You're also then, is that that
1: where the education piece comes in? Yes, that is where the sexology parts. Because we coach in the way that we challenge and we encourage and we're questioning, but then we as well uh, give uh, sexual knowledge as well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have to do all the time is break myths, you know, there's some so many wrong assumptions about sex and that brings a lot of issues because Mm -hmm. we assume we have raw information basically in many areas so definitely uh, sexual knowledge is something that I provide to my clients that uh, and positive kind of sexual attitudes as well.
0: That makes sense. So tell me, if you don't mind then, what are some of those
1: myths? Uh, One of the myths is uh, intercourse. You know, we believe that sex is intercourse and sex is so much that intercourse. And as well, it's uh, around just 30% of women have access to orgasms through intercourse. The 70% rest of us don't. So it's a low pressure on intercourse for pleasure when Mm -hmm. actually the majority of the women don't get pleasure from intercourse you know they get pleasure but maybe no orgasm you know yeah. so it's you know majority we think that sex is intercourse and there's a lot of people out there they don't have intercourse and they clearly have great sex so it's you know narrowing that perception yeah. uh, uh, sorry widening that perception and then you know we put a lot of effort in mind reading you know we <laughs> believe that mind reading is the way to have sex and you cannot really say what you want because if it's a great lover has to know and that is a terrible it's a great myth because and that takes a lot of um it takes you to a place that is definitely not pleasure in there because um you know mind reading we know that is not efficient right and um (laughs) and as well as we talk about um fingerprint you might like one thing and the next partner might like a completely different thing so how do you know yeah that's really
0: interesting isn't it in my last season we did talk to and uh, we talked about love and we did actually talk to a somatic sex coach and she said actually something very similar and I think it really resonated with me is that actually how is our partner or even ourselves know what the other person wants if we don't communicate out loud but we make a lot I mean I suppose in life we always make a lot of assumptions but I would imagine we also make a lot of
1: assumptions around that intimacy and I think we have to a lot to blame is the film industry because we learn a lot from there we don't learn from sex education because we don't have any, we don't learn from our parents because we don't discuss these things with them, There's not really discuss at school either. So you learn from films, and in Mm -hmm. films what they're presenting is something that it happens sometimes but the majority of the times it happens very differently. Yeah, so mind reading is, you know, when they say, oh, this great lover, they don't talk. They just have this kind of passion <laughs> that is completely out of this world and without talking. So we assume that they, our good lover has to know but mm. that is definitely a recipe for disaster because they don't have to know, they have to ask what do you like and what you would like me to do next.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, that's really that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So I know on your website, and we've not talked about this, but I'm really interested in your sexpressions. So tell me more about, first of all, what is it?
1: First of all, what is sexpressions? Sexpressions is a woman's circle and when I thought about it, I want to create a safer space for women to share, you know, and to and, and to women to find support, and to find healing, and to find transformation and celebration as a group, you know, and and as well, I want really to to offer the possibilities to some women to ask questions they never asked before because they never had that opportunity so a safe space where people can come and just talk about their intimate feelings for me i put in it like it's a six kind of weeks block that we create like a journey together where you come with your story where we share i find sometimes it's really powerful to hear other people's stories because then just like you know what that happens to me and you never identified it before so it's very powerful and then you feel that you know along in a journey that is sometimes very quite lonely because you don't talk about it so I want empowering a woman in a different way just not with coaching one-to-one in a group yeah lovely really
0: nice actually and so tell me from your perspective what do you believe is important about discovering intimacy I believe
1: that intimacy for me it means to open yourself just not physically emotionally to other person or to other number of people, mm-hmm. and in a way that you just don't only disclose what you like about yourself, you also disclose what you don't like about yourself, or you are more protected about yourself, or you just keep just for you. And that makes you incredible vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So intimacy and vulnerability comes together, in my opinion. And I think to discover intimacy, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and to learn to be comfortable sharing who you are
0: yeah i think that's really lovely actually um i made a note of that actually because i do i do think you're right that intimacy will include vulnerability because i suppose you're showing somebody the deepest part of you and that
1: isn't easy is it really no and that's It's terrifying sometimes Mm -hmm. because obviously you worry about being rejected because when they maybe know who you really are, you might not be liked anymore. So it's it's an act of courage. Absolutely. Gosh, that's really fascinating. Thank you. We might come back to that a little bit later,
0: <laughs> but I do have, um, I don't know whether you knew this, but um, I've been reaching out to my um, audience on Instagram and I posed, I said, look, we're having this conversation with yourself today and I was really excited about it. And I said, you know, if you've got any questions, let me know what questions you want to ask. So I have a really good question for you, if that's all right. Yeah, okay. So the question I've got, what do you do when you've lost your libido, but you still find your partner gorgeous? So okay. I wondered if you could share some advice for this person and others
1: listening. First, I would like to ask, how old is this person? Because sometimes menopause gets in the way. And menopause mm-hmm. menopause can t- tend to a low effect in libido. It's just uh, something that happens. And then I will, I will ask about one of the things that comes to my mind is asking about her erotic style. Is she aware of what she likes, what she mm-hmm. doesn't like? Is able to communicate that, because sometimes we dread having sex, because the sex that we're creating is not the sex that we like. So understanding what is not happening that you would like to to have present that is one of the things that I would like to explore with her. Mm -hmm. And it's many things, you know. For example, if you having a, a great sex life but it's still you don't have, you don't feel, then I will ask her, "I, how's your body, you know, how's your mind, are you tired? Because obviously if you are very stressed or you have very low energy, that's going to affect your, your sexual yeah, energy too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely.
1: one of the big myths as well that comes, I think is very helpful to understand is that um, we always rely on response, um, a spontaneous desire, but what we really need to look into is the responsive desire. And responsive desire is probably something that she could definitely benefit because we believe that um, you know, desire is something that just tracks you and it makes puts you in the mood. But it's another type of desire that you can you, you know you can rely on a lot more and it's always at your disposal. And it's called responsive desire. That means that you create the the pleasurable stimuli so your body will start to feel aroused and then you will feel desire. So desire comes Mm -hmm. after arousal. And you create the arousal by you putting yourself in that situation. You awake your energy by having a great massage, by having a game, for anything that will make you feel aroused. So does that make sense? It does.
0: So just let me get this. So what you're saying is that depending on the age, the age could affect the libido. Yeah. um, Especially the hormones in terms of the menopause and, and things like that. But actually, there is something there about, I'm just looking at my notes here, but the response to the desire. So basically meaning that you can create the environment, the stimulation. Yes through arousal first and then
1: comes desire and then you yeah and then you call the desire and for me is if i have to make an analogy to help is like going to the gym because when we decide to exercise what is the reasons behind
0: Mm.
1: is the reasons are because we want to feel better because the benefits are great but we have to make an effort because those benefits don't come just and going yep. to the gym, it requires a, a conscious decision of yep. investing your time and your effort in something that it will pay you later. Sex Absolutely. is very similar. You have to make the decision that you want to remain sexual, because right. otherwise other things get in the way. And mm-hmm. you know. And you have your, your priority list, sex will be at the bottom. You have to put it at the top, and that is when you use responsive desire, because you make the decision to be sexual so you put yourself there and you call for the desire to happen so you use yeah, pleasure pleasurable stimuli that mm. it will it will open the door to desire
0: so you're kind of like enlivening or awakening that kind of intentional
1: based approach isn't yes. it which is yes i want this to be part of my life i want it so i'm gonna make all the things that make it happen rather than just yeah. wait for the spontaneous one, that is the one that sometimes comes certain times of the month or yeah. when you have a great date and you feel really connected, it, it comes. So that's a great feeling and is one type of desire and it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But if we just rely on that one, we run the risk of not feeling very much, uh, yeah. in the mood many, very often.
0: And so, like you said, that description of going to the gym, then very
1: similar, you have to make a commitment to it. It, it takes a lot of effort. It's not something mm-hmm. that you're thinking, oh, I'm looking forward to that. You're thinking, now, uh, it's, yeah, it requires time, it requires effort, it requires a lot of uh, prioritising on the list of things. and it, it, But why we do it? Because the benefits are really really, really good.
0: You know, so from your perspective and with your experience so far, just again for the listeners, you're in a healthy relationship and maybe you are having more intimacy or more connection that kind of, you create the right environment for it. So what are the benefits long-term to yourself, actually? I'm keen to understand more about to yourself first and then for your relationship. Of having a, a, a sexual... Regular kind of healthy sexual activity.
1: I think one, uh, you know, the type of hormones that you, re- you release when you're having sex are very beneficial for well-being. And two, we um, we have, uh, you know, the, the vagina, mus- you know, the muscles that are around the vagina and all that area. We use it or we lose it. You know, you need to <laughs> exercises, exercise them as much as possible in order to keep them healthy and lubricated and 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 in good condition so it's um it's, and as well it, the energy you release from being sexual is very powerful you know it's something that makes you feel good at so many levels individually even playing solo you know i always recommend my clients to play solo because the energy and it's the best way to uh, to know exactly what you like and what you don't like so that is a great opportunity to to, to when you want to communicate you know what to say because you know what you like and Mm -hmm. it's about when you are remain sexual the energy that you create and you generate it affects all I think affects all aspects of your life just not your sexual one yeah and it makes you feel good about yourself in many aspects as well
0: the word came to me there is kind of feel quite liberated in many ways, which is what you're saying. So it's good for your well-being, it's good for your personal power, your impact, your presence. It actually, it, it does kind of cascade out, as you've said, in, in many, many different ways. And whether you play solo or you don't play solo, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's good for you, right? That's kind of what you're saying. Yes. Yeah? It's going yes. to have a positive impact on your life. Yes, exactly. Now, you mentioned before that, you know, there is still that kind of taboo, I suppose, of talking about sex and intimacy and it's still a hard topic for individuals to open up about. You mentioned before about shame and guilt, but is there anything else that might you think might stop stops people these days from being more expressive or just talking
1: more openly about it? I think I think we don't have permission to talk about sex because when we are little, we don't we it's not normalized. So we, we're already growing thinking that that is no space to talk about that. And if you bring it, people you can feel, even as an adult now, when I people ask me what are you doing for a living and I say I'm a sex coach, I get two type of reactions. One that is interested and say, Oh, what is that about? And another one they just get really tense and really tight and just tip the subject very quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, at dinner parties,
0: it's very interesting then if you end up going out at dinner parties and you, you announce that you're a sex coach,
1: because I would imagine you'll get lots of different reactions. Yes. And the one that t- gets tired and it's like, oh, my God, and just very quickly tries to change the subject, I think I get 50% of each one. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's very interesting, isn't it? So I've got another question for you from somebody who put a question forward, obviously. Why do you think we have a hard time communicating our desires in the bedroom to our respective partners? I know we touched upon it before, but what do you think are some other reasons why we have real
1: difficulty expressing our desires? That's a really good question. And I noticed, and you know what I think, Gillian, I think it's because we don't know we can. It's just a lack of permission because... Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, my client said, I want to say, but I can't. And it's like, what's getting in the way of you were saying? And it's like, nothing. So I don't think Mm. we know we can communicate. And actually, it's so, so beneficial to do. But I think it's a lack of permission in there to communicate. And again, we're so highly influenced from the idea of mind reading that we don't say anything, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. we use a lot of silence. And silence is such a, that, you know, that kind of tool is is never beneficial because we use silence when we're trying to uh, avoid disappointment or you don't want to offend someone. But then, what you really are creating is miscommunication and and distance. So, mm-hmm. you know, if imagine that I I'm go into sex and my partner is pulling my hair and I don't like it but I don't say anything mm-hmm. so what happened is next time it's going to happen it's going to pull my hair and I'm not going to like it so after a while I'm going to avoid sex altogether because just when I think about it it's going to be so something that start very simple with a very simple kind of uh of you know of. Uh, Very easy to sort it out. It's becoming something bigger and then rejection, the other person feels rejected, Mm -hmm. and it's something that so silence definitely is not a helping hand. It's creating. We use it to solve a problem, but we're generating a a difficult, a different one later on. So, and as well, and so it's not not helping at all. And what I'm saying to my clients is, you need to say what you're saying, but then is the next question, is how I say it. Because mm-hmm. that is as well, because we cannot say, I don't like that, don't do that. Because that definitely bring another type of feelings that is mm-hmm. rejection, humiliation, shame, you know. So you have to navigate that really careful. So mm-hmm. how you say it, I always say to my clients, it's more, we have to approach it more like a positive reinforcement. So you mm-hmm. just you just said, oh, you know, I really like when you did this. Oh, why you don't do that again? I really like it. So you move away from what was happening and you took it into a way you really like.
0: Ah, so that's kind of that reverse psychology piece, isn't it? So that's actually quite interesting, yeah. So actually reframing in a way and introducing that focus on the positives rather than perhaps the negatives, yes. yeah.
1: Because, you know, if you, unless it's something really, you know, there's for example imagine that your nails are really hurting so you need to have that conversation outside the bedroom and say look i really think i will benefit because i know you're not you know whereby you're hurting me or whatever so yeah. that definitely needs to be addressed outside but in navigating what you like and what you don't like i think it's it's good to yeah, to send them in the right direction
0: i think there's something quite interesting about the communication of just your wants and needs anyway just from a more traditional coaching perspective or just a more general communication between partners, friendships, relationships, whatever it might be. And I do feel that a lot of us accommodate just because it's what we feel we, we should do. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that actually we just have to have a different kind of conversation, which is a more honest conversation. And one that is actually helpful for you and for your partner or
1: whomever you're engaging with yes absolutely absolutely and we're not great to say what we want because as you said it's difficult to express our our desires even Mm -hmm. outside the bedroom and in other aspects of our life because we're always concerned that we're gonna upset someone (laughs) so it's um it's yeah it's uh, it's a big pressure but I think couples understanding and, you know, individuals understanding that the only way to have a successful, strong sexual relationship is about voicing your voice and your thoughts and your desires, you know, and being brave and have the courage to do that because the benefits are immense. Well, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it, that perhaps we wouldn't
0: express ourselves in those more intimate situations, but yet we would express ourselves outside of those. I know we sometimes have trouble with that, but there is that sense of that you would say to somebody, even if you went to the hairdressers, as an example, you'd say, actually, that's hurting my head. You know, if they were like washing well, your hair too hard. Do <laughs> yeah, it's too hot, exactly. <laughs> you, know, um, you, you know, you would actually say
1: that, but well, you wouldn't then say that to somebody who you're sharing that intimate moment with. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I note, Gillian, as well, for example, when you invite something for eating, you know, for lunch, if you have some yeah. if you're hosting a lunch, you tend to ask what you don't like, why your yeah. you know, your your dietary requirements. You always try to accommodate the other person so you offer the best experience possible, right? <laughs>
0: Exactly, but you don't, don't do it you for don't. your own intimacy. <laughs> how bizarre. What well, yes. interesting creatures we are as human beings. The one question actually that I did have, and it's just some stuff I've been doing a little research on actually, obviously we're talking about more intimacy here and building that stronger bond and communication and how we can get the best out of our love lives basically. What happens when you've got the complete opposite where people, you know, I mean, obviously I mean this the dating apps and things like that. And I've known a, a few people who've been on those. And next minute, you know, they're getting dirty conversations. They're getting pictures, you know, dirty pictures. I'm not, I'm not being a prude when I say dirty, but, you know, kind of dick pics, basically. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I just to be blunt about it. But, you know, they're getting all these kind of things and, and stuff. And it's this kind of... This seems to be kind of what I'm noticing from... Is the currency of interaction. And I wonder... From your personal perspective and the work and your profession,
1: do you think it's gone too far or is that a good level of expression? I think as long as you get to, you're getting something that you don't want, it's not working because, as you describe, you know, normally one person sent things or pictures or content you, you're not consent you're not. to. Mm-hmm. And so the consent is not in that kind of relationship is happening because. The person is feeling free to send pic- pictures, or conversations, or going straight to a without um, without consent, and that is wrong mm-hmm. because, as you said, it, it doesn't make you feel comfortable as uh, the recipient. So is, um, and I think it's because we want different things in mm-hmm. that kind of relation. In that kind of uh, conversation, one person might just want a. Quick fix, and the other person yep. wants something more deep. You know?
0: yeah. <laughs> no, and I just think it's quite interesting because there seems to be this kind of, you know, my my few single friends they're getting a lot of that, and actually it's it's unwanted, it's not necessary, and it then immediately puts them off, and they're looking for more. What we've been talking about that more intimate relationship um, and things like that. But I, I just think it's quite fascinating how we we can go from one extreme to the other, where we can be so overt about it. Yes, and it, yeah, versus then really struggling with it as well, which is just, I think it's just the spectrum yes, is quite broad, I but I, I think
1: supposed. it's because on media, you know, when we are not real facing anyone, it's very yeah. easy to be that way because you don't have mm. any repercussions. You, the, the, the feelings that you're feeling, the other person's feelings, are not, you know, they're not contagious. So you don't mm. really have to face those. And that is a very easy way of getting pushed very selfishly what you want. That is getting some kind of dirty talk with someone rather than mm-hmm. <laughs> something else, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm certainly not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not condemning it. It's, and obviously I've not experienced it myself, but I just think it's quite interesting, the diverse range of overtness versus more, like you've described, that kind of vulnerability. You know, and I think there's a a big difference, isn't there, really, I suppose.
1: Yes, I think in the dating arena, it's about what do you want, really? Because, as you say, your friends might want true relationships and, you know, proper connection. But if the other person just wants, you know, something just to not be bored, you know, something just to keep some time, it's just Mm -hmm. about wanting completely different things and not be clear about it. So, Yeah. yeah, because maybe... The type of person who is sending all those pics, or goes straight to dirty talk, or they, you know, not going to say, "Oh, I'm just interested in quick fix," so maybe they don't have anyone to do it, so they're trying to lure and see yeah. someone is. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: And and horses for courses, right? There's all different. There's no kind of judgment there. I just think it's quite fascinating the difference. And I suppose in a way, it's their way of expressing that this is what I want, rather than you know. Yes, um, maybe and more not caring about what yeah. the other person wants. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just a different way of doing it, I suppose. A different kind of more overt way of communicating. Thanks for that. Just kind of curious around your thoughts on that. So a couple more questions before we kind of wrap up our conversation. So you've given lots of advice and I really want to thank you for that. It's been lovely chatting to you so far. But but what other advice do you think you could give people to help them really connect with their sexuality to feel more empowered. Because we started talking about empowerment at the beginning of our conversation. So, what other advice would you encourage our listeners if they wanted to share their desires more but were nervous about it or hadn't experienced sharing their
1: desires before? First, believe that, validate your desires, what you're feeling, and what, what you know, embrace them because it's real and it's important to you. So, make sure that. that is actually um, validated and you understand that it's important and, and then as long as between adults and with consent there's not wrong so mm-hmm. those is the only rules you have to be an adult and you have to have consent and give consent mm-hmm. and when that happens Your desires are perfectly healthy and perfectly fine. So don't feel there's something wrong with you because it's not. And as well, if you think that you're only one with those desires, you're wrong. Because it's many, many people. Sometimes, obviously, when you have some kind of desires that maybe are less traditional or less conventional, you might feel that you're going to be seen as... uh, Something that you're not or you are just a bit concerned that it will rebel something from you that it make you feel other people reject you But find your crowd because there's always you know, there's always people who our desires are so different. So find someone that can uh, Can you can actually? This you know the tell those kind of desires and the other person will understand them and as well Mm -hmm. might, might like them, too so is one is you have to be brave because being vulnerable, as we talk, requires being brave. And yeah. when you talk about your desires, it's something so intimate that it's very mm. difficult sometimes to to share it. But be brave, have courage and validate what you're feeling because that is the mm. way to your pleasure.
0: I love that. Be brave, be courageous and validate your desires. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Miriam. <laughs> And so if people want to find out more about your group work that you do or the individual work that you do, where can they get in
1: touch with you? At the moment, just through my website. Unfortunately for sex coaches, uh, social media is really difficult because we banned all the time. I just said second time that I'm trying to work in Facebook because just to use the word sex or anything similar is just. It's just the shut us down. So mm-hmm. at the moment, my website is www.pleasecomein.co.uk and it's a lot of information there, how to contact me. And that is the best way, actually. So
0: www.pleasecomein.co.uk and I love, I really love the name of your company, Please Come In. I think it's very welcoming. Yes, please come in. <laughs>
1: really <laughs> <That's>, nice. <laughs> yes, that, thank you. Thank you. That's one of the things that I want because as you, we discussed through this this time that you know is sex is such a taboo I want people to feel welcome because it, this yeah. is a space to talk about sex like sexual expressions relationships and it's um, I want you to feel that you're safe
0: here that's amazing thank you so much it's been honestly brilliant to talk to you and thanks for sharing all your advice and all your kind of knowledge with us this afternoon thank you so much
1: Thank you very much. This has been a great experience. Thank you for having me here, Gillian. And uh, yes, I'm looking forward to uh, to, uh, reading your book, actually. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: talking with Miriam today. I've known Miriam for a number of years but it's been a long time since we've reconnected since she's trained as a sex coach and sex educator so I was thrilled to have her on the conversation today. What I loved about our discussion was two things really. I mean there's lots there but two key things that jumped out for me which was be brave, be courageous and validate your desires and I think that's really interesting because As we find ourselves in such busy lives, we don't often give ourselves permission to say what we want to express our needs and desires. And what Miriam did today was really just suggest we give ourselves that permission. I think that's such a good piece of advice. Be brave, be courageous and validate your desires. What I also liked was this discussion that we had around intimacy and vulnerability again something that we don't often share because we feel embarrassed we feel shameful we feel perhaps even guilty about discussing what we want in terms of our needs and what she said and she described as that you know if you go to the gym you make the effort to go to the gym you plan to go to the gym and basically what she was saying is that we need to do the same about sex too that if we want sex and we want intimacy, and we want that connection, then we have to make a commitment to actually have this in our lives. Because like anything, if we don't focus our intention on what we want, then it won't happen. So I thought those two things were really interesting. And I think, you know, if we are talking about finding our way home, coming back home to our true selves, then why not be brave? Why not be courageous and why not validate your desires in and out of the bedroom?